I, I hit the right button. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Spooky State of Mind. I'm Alex. I'm Jasmine. Oh, shit, sorry. Oh. <laughs> I took a, a breath. That's why I paused. I'm Alex. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm Jasmine. She's back. I am back. I miss you all. I'm sorry I had to take a week off, but thank you to Alex for taking over and, you know, with her little, with her mini-sode, I, I loved it. Yeah, a little mini-sode. I do have an update on Glenn a little bit later. Ooh, can't wait to hear it. How was your week? Did you have a good week? You. I was literally about to say, like, I'm like, I feel like I've done so much talking because I had my mini-sode and I always go first. I was literally about to ask you, how was your week, Jasmine? Okay, but you know what? I like to be transparent with everybody in my life and I'm going to tell you guys right now that we already recorded this damn episode once and I used the wrong mic. My headset has its own mic that I didn't, like, realize and... My laptop made that like the input for this episode. So the whole time you can hear me talking and you hear the stupid mic rubbing up on my shirt. So here we are doing it again for a second time. Well, it's so funny because I think two or three weeks ago we were talking and saying how we're just waiting for the day where we're going to have to re-record. Re-record. Like a whole episode because it happens, you know? We made it happen. Woo! Yeah, we manifested <laughs> things. Just like we manifested the solo episode. Oh, yeah. I was telling her that. Literally a week before that, I was thinking to myself, I think because I thought of your pregnancy and all that, I was like, I feel like we're going to have to go solo here and there. And literally, like, lo and behold, a week later, she had to do it. Yeah, and I had absolutely no issues with it. That's thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. But yeah, my my week has been, uh, I guess, kind of. Uh, I don't really do much. However, I did go to the eye doctor for my first time ever. I have I got an eye injury, so I had to go just to make sure everything was okay. And while I was there, he did like the whole shebang, and I had never been to the eye doctor, so I didn't really know what to expect. He said I had good vision, everything was fine, but he wants me to get um, glasses for work since I work in front of a computer all day. So I'm kind of excited for that. But I didn't know what all the little eye drops that he was using on me were for. And so he was, he put, I don't know if it's three, he put three different times. And on the third one, he was like, give it about 15 minutes. Like, I'll take you back to the lobby and then I'll call you right back. And I'm like, all right. So I'm like texting my sister and just telling her like, oh, you know, the doctor's so nice. And this is not as bad as I thought. And out of nowhere, I, I'm having a hard time like seeing and reading what I'm saying. And I started switching to voice to te- like, no, voice messages. And I was like, I can't see shit. Like, what's going on? My vision. <laughs> and I'm like freaking out. <laughs> and I can't, she responds back and I can hear my mom in the background like, Tell her that that's normal. That's what they do, okay? Like, they dilated her pupils. And I was like, now I understand why my mom always needs help going to the eye doctor. And I've always said no. And now I feel like a freaking asshole. <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, no. Yeah, it was like, mom, I'm busy. Help? It wasn't like I told her no. It was like, I'm busy. So I didn't know how serious it was. Otherwise, I would move things around. I didn't know. She never could explain. She's like, I just can't really see it. She comes home with sunglasses. I'm like, why are you being dramatic? (laughs) 
Oh my god. I know, I know. I feel like an asshole. So were you never that kid who like had to go with your mom to the doctor to translate or like be on the phone? Yes. At like nine yes. years old translating things for her? Yeah, but that was the one doctor that she had that spoke Spanish, so I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry mom. But yeah, that was that. It was um What's your vision? Twenty twenty. But he wants me to go back. He wants me to go back once my eye is better just to make sure that everything still matches. So maybe it'll be better when I go back. Maybe. Maybe you'll have eyesight like mine. Whatever. <laughs> it's those big brown eyes that you have. Oh, sorry. Like, no one can actually see what I'm doing. I'm just, like, batting my eyelashes. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who, like, don't know what I look like, I have, yeah, really big brown eyes. They're a little creepy because they're so big. No. I like them. Oh, I think they're a little creepy. You know, I have really good eyesight, but I do wear glasses when I'm on the computer or if I'm really tired because I have double vision. So my eyesight's super good, but my muscles don't work well together, so they can't focus. Because I've only gone mm. to the eye doctor once. And yeah. what was it? 2015 is what I have? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I have really good eyesight, but I, out of each individual eye, they don't work well together. But um, yeah, my week was fine. It was pretty chill. But a few days ago, I sliced my finger on a mandolin. The kitchen tool, not the instrument. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Yeah, I was slicing up some apples for my kid. I was literally thinking, oh, you know, I should get that little attachment ready. So when I'm getting to the end of the apple, I can go ahead and, oh, shit, that's blood. Oh, let me run it under the sink. Oh, fuck, this hurts. Oh, shit, this really fucking hurts. And then, like, I saw it and there's, like, a huge chunk missing from my finger. And it's, like, attached by, like, this tiny little sliver that's on the bottom. And, yeah, I called Gare oh, freaking out because he had, like, just left for work. And I was like, how far are you? Because I didn't know if I needed stitches or anything obviously like he calms me down because i'm kind of a drama queen so he calmed me down and you know i was applying pressure the entire time so i couldn't really see unless there was water like running over it but then he just told me he's like yeah no you should be fine Holt, is your sleep monitor the sound on for it is there no, like off. a noise i'm hearing like a breathing sound when you talk that might be me oh i'm kind of alive so i have to breathe <laughs> no 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 but it sounds like like Yeah. What the fuck? No, this like kind of like at a hospital. Oh, you know, I took my headphones out and it might be the fan on my computer that you're hearing. That makes sense. Okay. No creepy ghost. Got it. I'll scoot this back. It's fine. Okay. So what were we saying? Gary calmed you down. Yeah, he calmed me down and I didn't think I needed stitches. I mean, it was pretty deep, but not like too deep. And it's about, I don't know, maybe, maybe a quarter inch deep. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, oh, I was gonna say wide, like half an inch wide. It kind of looked big. Yeah, it's about half an inch wide and about quarter inch deep. Someone's probably listening to this being like, girl, you probably needed stitches. But <laughs> Please don't make our listeners pass out. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, he's like, yeah, just go to the first aid kit just go ahead and wrap it in, up in some gauze keep applying pressure and you know just bandage it up but we don't have a first aid kit because the first aid kit that we have made its way into his truck because he gets hurt at work all the time and so i was like well shit and so he's like we'll just wrap it up in like like a paper towel or something and tape you know and then i was like we don't have paper towels because we don't use paper towels we use cloth like cloth napkins so i didn't want anything with like fuzz or linties but i was like fuck it i wrapped it up in a shit ton of toilet paper and just got some electrical tape yeah just tape that up good enough yeah 
Good enough. And it's slowly reattaching. Not really. I'm sure this. it's really hard now. The skin will just fall off at some point. I've made it bleed a bunch of times yesterday and today especially. But it's fine. Ooh, did I tell you I made something? I made a dessert this week. Ooh, what'd you make? I made a pumpkin cheesecake. It was very yummy. Sounds good. It was very good. But I felt like an ass because I forgot to save my sister a slice because Jazz can eat bro like he eats so damn much i can't keep up <laughs> like if you don't have it often then i'm just it's not a big deal eh, he's a big guy so i was gonna say i'm like he's a big guy too well i mean we went to aldi last weekend and we bought a tin of cookies like those the sewing kit cookies you know which ones oh he just bought some too <laughs> So we just bought some and I remember um, it was on Tuesday. I was having a really rough day. Quinn was being a total jerk. Now she's she's transitioning from baby to toddler and she definitely has a big personality. She takes after me. I go and I was like, you know what? I'm going to have some tea and I'm going to have some cookies. And this is going to be my like mid afternoon pick me up. And I opened the tin. and it's They were all fucking, gone. Fucking empty. Oh, hell no. Uh-uh. It's Tuesday. Jesus we Christ! See, I, that Sunday. I'm mad, and those weren't even my damn cookies. I don't even really like those, but I get the feeling. I understand. I called him, and he's like, "Hey, what's up?" And I was like, "You ate all the cookies." <laughs> uh, you ate the cookies. And then he just started laughing and was like, sorry. And I was like, I didn't even have one. And that's the thing. They think sorry fixes it. Like, I'll get you some more. No. Well, he actually did. He did get me some more. Well, here's the thing. For me, that's not a fix. It's more like you should have thought of me and you should have saved me some. Now I don't want any. Don't worry. If you buy more, great. But by the time I want some more, you're already going to finish it. And we're going to be in the same ordeal. (laughs) No, no, no. It's okay. Because he did buy more. And he said, he's like, I'm going to stop at the grocery store on my way home. I'll pick some up. And I was like, whatever. I wanted them now. And I can't have them now. Yeah. He also came back with a pizza. So not mad. Oh, that would be fine. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be... I'd be okay with pizza. Yeah, I wasn't mad. I was like, cool. Um, But anyways, yeah, so that was my week. That happened a few days ago. Today, I got shit on by my kid. Your baby turned one. Yeah, my baby turned one. But you know what? Unless you have something else to say, I would really love to hear that update about Glenn. No, no, I literally don't have anything else to say. My week was really boring. (laughs) Yes, Glenn. So spoiler alert, it's a very heartwarming story. I think I left off with saying that I hadn't talked to my sister. She just told me that. And so she didn't know about the person who had died that was close to her. So after Mm -hmm. I finished recording, I ended up calling her and I let her know. And I was like, hey, like this happened. And she was like, oh my God. What happened? Can you, what person died? The, there's a person named Glenn who unfortunately passed away in a car accident. Got it. I think it was like pretty much like up the mountain from where she lives. So she's in the kitchen and she's like, what? is going on so she just goes to the living room and he's just playing with his legos and she goes up to him and she's like hey buddy do you remember your friend glenn and he goes yeah and mind you the entire time he is just playing with his legos and my sister asks him oh is like glenn still here no he's gone okay how did glenn get here he says well he came to the place with the angels and she's like what do you mean the place with the angels and he said yeah he's at the place with the angels that's where he was she's like okay and when he left what happened to him he was like oh he's home now oh he's home what do you what do you mean he's home he's like yeah there was a light and his mom was there and he went he went with his mom and he's home now oh and my sister's like okay is he happy and he goes yeah he's with his mom and he's home like duh why wouldn't he be happy oh so yeah it was 
See, even Frito was crying. That's a beautiful story. <laughs> yeah, I was crying and Aww. my sister hugged him. He was just playing with his Legos. Yeah, he doesn't. He was just like, yeah, it's just, it is what it is. She was like, thank you for sharing that with me, buddy. And he's like, okay, can I watch YouTube? <laughs> so just very nonchalant. So it'll be really interesting to see if he stays sensitive. Yeah. Or if like, if he does say sensitive stay sensitive if he wants to stay sensitive or if he wants to like close himself off yeah you know like obviously it's up to him and his family but it'll just be interesting to see as he grows up yeah well that's a nice update i like that one all right well this week we are covering some movies right? Yes, movies. It, it basically just gave us an excuse to like watch a scary movie and just talk about them. I love when I pretend like I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, so right? Like, sometimes I really like don't. didn't record this already. I know. I, I already <laughs> forgot that I did. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. So yes, this week uh, we are covering a scary movie. We each did one since it's my week to go first. I guess I'll go ahead and start. I decided to go with a classic. Definitely one of the scariest movies out there, I think. This one came out back in the 70s, which for its time was a very good film. So I'm going to be talking about The Exorcist. So The Exorcist. Let me see. Okay, so this film is based off of the book, which was inspired by real life events. So I know everybody knows that this was based off of a real story. It actually was not really that known at the time. The real story took place back in the 1940s. All that people knew about it was whatever was written in an article that the Washington Post had put out there, and it didn't really have a lot of details. William Peter Blatty, he had just, he was a like recent graduate. He heard about it. He was very intrigued. So he decided to um, learn more about it. And that's how the book came to be. So I'm going to read um, just a summary of the movie for, I know it's a lot of people has, have seen it, but I'm going to still read it for those who haven't. I, it wasn't really that long, was it? No, I don't think it's too long. I watched it not too long ago. Um, I was trying to figure out what to watch and I was, I watched it on Netflix and I made my decision, you know, when you like don't know what to watch. And then I saw that they were taking it off of Netflix and I was like, okay, I got to watch this one, but you can still watch HBO. it on HBO Max. Yep. Alrighty. So The Exorcist, the movie was out in 1973, I believe. Um, directed by William Friedkin. So a lot of William, Williams up in here. The film opens at an archaeological dig in the ancient ruins of Hatra in the Iraqi desert. Here, aged Catholic priest and veteran exorcist Father Lancaster Marin is given a stone talisman carved in the image of Pazuzu, an antediluvian demonic entity that used to be worshipped by the Babylonians the original inhabitants of Iraq. So I was reading a little bit about Pazuzu. I couldn't, there, there was a lot, but pretty much he ruled, wait, I should have pulled that up. Okay, so let me go back. So I was reading a little bit about Pazuzu and he is the demon of the Southwest wind that was known for bringing droughts and famine during dry seasons and locusts during rainy seasons. 
So they worshipped him, you know, because they didn't want all that stuff to happen to them. They need to survive so they can't be having no dry seasons and shit. Like I said, I didn't want to get too much into detail about him just because it was a little... He's a demon. Like, demons are not supposed to be good. But on here it said that he did protect women and children. So it's like, are you a bad guy? But that's the little good in you? Who knows? But anyways, so he's given that talisman and he's not really happy about that you can definitely see like a hitting like something hit did you hear that no no it sounded like a (gasps) (gasps) well then keep telling your story i'm just gonna look outside the window real quick the old priest's face looks troubled as he is familiar with the history surrounding the worship of the demon then the film cuts to georgetown where actress chris mcneil is on site shooting a movie about student protests Her close friend and associate, Brick Dennings, directs the film. Chris lives on location with her daughter, Reagan. Reagan is a sweet 12-year-old child who, like many children traveling with their parents, looks for ways to keep amused while her mother is away at work. Tragically, Reagan has begun to entertain herself using a Ouija board and has begun con- Sorry. There was nothing outside? No wind? Whatever noise you just heard was my dog. But no, there's no wind. We're just gonna push through this. And you're literally talking about how you know it's like you know it's a demon he's supposed to be bad and i was literally about to say and you're not really supposed to talk about them too much you know because it's they can manifest yeah or say their name you so said much. Yeah. you said his name yesterday too and now I'm i have sorry. the chair you are not welcome here Okay, yeah. let's see. All right, so she Reagan's playing with the Ouija board. Yeah. So tragically, Reagan has begun to entertain herself using a Ouija board and has began contacting, or rather, has been contacted by what her by what her mother and friends assume to be her imaginary friend, who she, whom she refers to as Captain Howdy. Not too long after her initial contact with the captain, Reagan begins to act strangely, such as stealing and cussing. These acts are then followed by supernatural occurrences such as mysterious noises and Reagan exhibits starts to exhibit unusual strength. These odd occurrences come to a head when Reagan's mother hosts a party at their house. Reagan suddenly comes downstairs from her room barefoot and clad in her nightgown and walks up to one of Chris's guests, an astronaut, to give him a chill. I don't think that's relevant. I know. <laughs> Oh, sorry, y'all. Sorry. No, every time I go like, ooh, I always think of, did you ever watch Recess? Yes. In the Ashleys when yes. they go scandalous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did think yeah. of that. Anyway, sorry. So she goes up to the astronaut. Yeah, she goes up to ooh. the astronaut to give him a chilling but cryptic warning. You're going to die up there. <laughs> that was so After making the announcement, she promptly urinates on the floor. You know, marking her damn territory. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the supernatural manifestations. She's urinating everywhere. My kid. Frito. My kid's shitting on me and just. What the fuck? Do you she- see him? No, I don't see him. <laughs> he just got up on my desk. Like, he just put his paws up like, what are we looking at, mom? Right. Also, my dogs have been so calm up until I heard the noise. So, I don't know. But I have two big dogs, and I have the baby on the monitor, 
and everything is looking fine in her room. Gary should be home, fingers crossed, within the hour. Okay. So hopefully we're okay. All right. Let's power I'm through fine. this. As long as, as long as my kid is fine. It's fine. My dogs are fine. I'll be fine. Both your kids got it. Well, my other kid's in me, so if I'm fine, she's fine. Yeah. After making the announcement, she promptly urinates on the floor. The supernatural manifestations continue to worsen and become more overt, frightening Chris sufficiently to seek out professional help. She consults a number of medical professionals, but all of them give the same diagnosis. Reagan, despite what she is showing, is physically healthy. The doctors instead sedate Reagan, thinking that rest may improve her condition. While out on a shoot, Brooke Dennings, director of, you know, the movie that Chris is on, uh, agrees to watch over Reagan, who is still under the effects of the powerful sedatives given to her. Chris is horrified when she arrives to find out that Brooke is now dead. He had apparently fallen out of the window. The event is assumed to be an accident, as Brooke has been known to be a heavy drinker. Nonetheless... Lieutenant William investigates his death. Random lieutenant thrown in there. Woo. He is accompanied by Father Damien Karras, a psychiatrist and Catholic priest who is resuming his duties as a means of coping with the guilt of not having been present during his elderly mother's death. The doctors recommend to Chris that an exorcism be performed on Reagan as they believe that her condition is mental in nature. Father Karras agrees to take up Chris's case and begins observing Reagan. Reagan begins to show even more extreme manifestations of demonic influence, speaking in reverse in an old woman's voice and scars forming on her abdomen, forming the words, help me. These finally convince the reluctant priest that Reagan is indeed possessed by an evil spirit. He seeks help to perform the rites and Father Marin is selected to lead as Father Karis assists. Father Marin, the dude from the beginning of the film, is up in there trying to be a hero. The two priests proceed with the exorcism in earnest, but the demon, the demon Pazuzu toys with them, mocking their efforts by having Reagan perform a number of offensive and blasphemous acts and threatening them with death. They tie her down to prevent the demon from harming its host. Pazuzu singles out Father Karis to torment as his crisis of faith is sensed by the demon and uses it to break his focus the shit out of me. <laughs> Pazuzu singles out Father Karis to torment as his crisis of faith. I already read that. Sorry. I think I got scared when I was reading that sentence though because he walked in. Okay. They tie her down to prevent the demon from harming its host. Pazuzu singles out Father Karis to torment as his crisis of faith is sensed by the demon and uses it to break his focus. Father Marin dismisses him and attempts to do the right alone but he dies from exhaustion. Father Karis enters the room to try to revive Father Marin, but he is too late. The demon begins to berate him, laughing at his grief and helplessness. Livid, the young priest wrestles the demon-possessed Reagan to the floor, challenging it to take his body instead and leave Reagan alone. The demon storms out of Reagan, entering the body of Father Karis. Before the demon can subjugate the priest's will and induce him to harm his to harm him, he flings himself out the window onto the streets below. An old friend and colleague of Father Karras, Father Dyer, witnesses the tragedy and administers the last rites to his dying friend. The scene changes to focus once more on Reagan, who is now freed of Pazuzu's influence as they prepare to leave for Los Angeles. Reagan mercifully has no memory of her demonic ordeal. She gives Father Fryer, who has taken on the McNeil case upon Father Karras' tragic death, 
Okay. She gives Father Dyer a kiss on the cheek before they leave. Lieutenant Kinderman, who now investigates Father Kara's death, has befriended Father Dyer to get a better understanding of the mysterious circumstances surrounding the man's passing. So some of the some of the things that they that this doesn't include in the summary are just what Reagan did in the movie. So yeah, the, this movie we became so popular just because of some of the things that the director William put into the movie uh, that are obviously not included in this summary. For example, there's a scene where a Virgin Mary is pretty much vandalized by the demon. They put her with uh, like pointy boobs and I think a penis if I remember correctly. There's the part where Reagan has to uh, masturbate with a crucifix. And then she also grabs her mom's face and puts it on her damn crotch. So those are things that he wanted to add on there. And actually in the movie, Chris is supposed to be atheist. So the director was like, what can I do that's so horrendous that will make this atheist character turn to the church for help, you know, to help her daughter? And that's when he incorporated the crucifix scene. Yeah, because that's pretty blasphemous. Hell yeah, dude. And Reagan, the actress... She was only 12 at the time. He was saying how he had to kind of uh, play with her to kind of get her to do those things. He, of course, wasn't going to flat out tell her, like, grab this crucifix and pretend like you're masturbating with it. She's a kid. Like, she didn't know any better. And the whole time he said that she was clueless about what she was doing and how it was going to be portrayed in the movie. So what he told her was, oh, I need you to grab this crucifix and just kind of stab in, in between your legs. To make it seem like she's just doing some random motion. And she was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, because she doesn't know the significance in that act. And he saw himself as a father figure to her. So he would kind of like tickle her and come on, you're going to do it. And it's weird now. <laughs> it's weird now. Little, back then. It was probably weird back then too. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. You work close with these people. So how else is he going to? Be with her, I guess. I don't ever dismiss that type of, you know, behavior. But uh, I guess it's like she's a little kid. Like, I get it. I you know. have to make your movie. But oh, she's a kid. Yeah. It's so yeah. hard. I, yeah. So that was the way that he said he was able to get her to do those type of things. Just kind of by playing with her, you know, and come on, you got to do it. And though she would do it. People were not happy with that scene in particular. The little girl had to get security guards because she was getting death threats and stuff like she's a kid who did her job like that's what she got paid for yeah so anyways a lot of people said that they fainted but you would think that they would faint at the demon scenes but no they fainted at the doctor scenes when they were doing like procedures on her and seeing what you know all these needles in her people freaking fainted i was like what a bunch of wusses no i'm just kidding so people don't like blood <laughs> I have an uncle who he's a big guy and it's like at the sight of blood loses all color in his face and it's like all right get him a seat so does my brother anyways so the movie did very well and like I said it is based off of a true story based off the book that was inspired by the true story and the true story was actually a little boy a 13 year old boy they gave him like a John Doe type of name but his name was Roland Doe they didn't release his real name until later on. They just wanted to give the kid privacy. Like I said, back in the 1940s, when he was 13 years old, he had an aunt named Harriet 
who had just died. And so he was, you know, mourning her death and everything. He was very close to her. Aunt Harriet, she was a very uh, spiritualist and she taught Roland a lot of different things, including how to use the Ouija board. So shortly after her death, Roland starts to experience weird things. Uh, he would hear scratches on the walls, scratches on the floor, um, random pipes in the house would start like dripping water. And then the weirdest of them all was his bed would start to shake and just move around violently and stuff. So his family, they got worried and they decided they wanted to seek out some help. So they went to doctors and psychiatrists. They did all type of tests on Roland. Same like Reagan, like everything was fine. They were like, he's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with him. So they ended up going to their minister, Lutheran minister, and he also wasn't able to help. He kind of was at a loss and the only thing he could suggest for them to do was to go to the Jesuits or what we know as the Roman Catholic Church. So apparently the neighbors all knew something was wrong with Roland and they would like spray holy water at the house to kind of keep everything there. Like, don't come to my house. I mean, I don't blame them. I know, right? Gotta protect your family. Yep. So they went to the Catholic Church where they met Reverend Albert Hughes. He went to whoever he needed to present you know, this evidence and he was granted permission to perform an exorcist on this kid even though he had no experience. And I don't know how much you guys know about real exorcists, but first of all, they are impossible to get approved. They can't just do it. They have to get approved and you have to have rock solid evidence for them to even approve it. So it's not a common thing. So this father wouldn't even know how to go about this yeah exorcisms are really hard to get approved especially because the catholic church is huge yeah it's huge and they you know it's like they have to say face yep and so any exorcism or anything that seems like a miracle or anything like that they have teams that go and debunk these things Mm mm-hmm they're always going to be like, what's the science? There has to be some science behind this before, yeah. you know? Otherwise, you're going to kill a person with dehydration and stuff. Trying to yeah. freaking, you know, throw crucifixes at them and shit. Have you watched Evil? No. It's so good. So I've only watched the first season because they took it off of Netflix. And I think they put it on Paramount. It's so good. Yeah, exorcists are hard to get approved. Demon position is hard to prove because... They're going to try to find some kind of science behind the behavior. And then also, they're very hard for the people performing them. Like, it takes a toll on your body. So, like I said, maybe back in the 40s, it was a little bit easier to get. But now in our modern day, you will probably never hear of a modern day story of an exorcism. But anyways, uh, so Reverend Hughes got the approval. The, the first attempted exorcism was performed at Georgetown University Hospital. So what Father Hughes did was strap, you know, strap Roland down, started doing his thing. So Roland, he's over here getting real violent. He's shouting in a strange language, like cursing at him and doing all this. And it was later said to be Aramaic, which is a language that was spoken back in biblical times. So I don't think you could fucking fake that because who the hell knows about all that, right? So the exorcism had to be stopped when Roland managed to break off a spring from the bed and he slashed uh, Hughes over the shoulder with it. So he stopped the exorcism and after that, I guess he was really traumatized because he wasn't the same and he didn't want to go through with it anymore. So a few days after that happened, there was some words carved into his chest that said Louis. And so his mom took it as, oh, we got to go over to St. Louis. I got relatives over there who could probably help us like... 
let's take Roland and get our asses over there. So they do. They move over to St. Louis and they stay in a relative's home. A cousin of theirs who was going to St. Louis University suggested Father Halloran and Reverend Bodern to help them with Roland. So they spoke to these two priests and they both agreed to the exorcism with the help of several assistants. So I should say that it took about three or four months for all of this to be over. So when Hughes got first involved and Roland started acting weird, this was January. So I believe by the time St. Louis rolls around, it's almost, it's about February. These two priests had about, I think it was a group of seven or nine trying to perform this exorcism. So right right away, they witness scratches on the boy's body. They see that the bed is moving violently, just like Father Hughes had witnessed. They also noticed that during the day, Roland was perfectly fine and calm. He was his normal self, but at night, he would just start to act erratic. Things would fly across the room. He would speak in this guttural voice, probably the type of voice that we all imagine would come from a demon. Anytime that he would see any kind of sacred object, if the priest like came inside with a crucifix, a rosary, holy water, anything like that, he would just start to get very violent. So on top of all these scratches, they also saw that kind of, I believe on the side of his body, there was a pattern of a pitchfork. All these lines that looked like a pitchfork that appeared on him, uh, I think from his side all the way down to his legs. And then at one point, a letter X was on his chest, which led them to believe that that could have been Roman numeral 10, meaning 10 demons could have been possessing him. And I'm over here like, X marks the spot. I know, right? Spot like, for that's what? where you know, stab but... him with the crucifix. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought too. <laughs> What's wrong with this? <laughs> I don't know. I think we're desensitized to a bunch of this stuff. I know. I know. Yeah. These two priests, Halloran and Bodron, they never gave up on him. They did everything that they could. So on March 20, the exorcism reached an unhealthy new level. Roland urinated all over his bed and he began shouting and cursing at the priest. So his parents, they had had enough. They were like, this is too much for us. We can't stand this. So they grabbed Roland and they took his ass to Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis for some more serious treatment. The priests followed and everything, but they were like, let's see what the hell we can do with there. Finally, on April 18th, so like I said, about four months after, a miracle, quote unquote, occurred in, Ro- in Roland's room at Alexian Brothers. It was the Monday after Easter and Roland awoke with seizures. He yelled at the priests, saying that Satan would always be with him. And so the priests, they laid, they laid everything, all the weapons they, they had, all the tools that they had, Holy water, crucifixes, medals, rosaries. They put them all over his body and they went to work. So at about 10.45 p.m., the priests called on to St. Michael, the archangel, I'm guessing, right? They called on to St. Michael to expel Satan from Roland's body. They shouted at Satan saying that St. Michael would battle him for Roland's soul. Seven minutes later, which I thought was very specific. Actually, maybe it's not specific. Seven does have a lot of significance. I was going to say it's a big number. Seven minutes later, Roland came out of the trance that he was in and said he's gone. And he said that all he could see, like what he saw in his vision was saint michael vanquishing satan on a great battlefield so he saw mike you know saint michael fighting satan and get him out of there so yeah they the priest said that after that he was fine everything went back to normal he had a normal life he actually went to get married you know he got married later on in his adulthood and had a 
a couple of kids, I think, and his son, he named Michael after the archangel that saved him from that possession. The two priests, I think one of them passed shortly after, and then another one, the second priest passed later on in 2005 from cancer, unfortunately. So um, I was, you know, as I'm researching all of this, I did see a couple of theories that people had about the movie, where one of the theories is that Reagan had been sexually abused. And it all comes in the movie. Yeah, in the movie, not not the actress, not Roland. No, yeah, sorry, Reagan, the character in the movie, had been more sexually abused just because of the behaviors that she was portraying, the urinating, the violence. You know, this twelve-year-old, she doesn't know anything. Assuming at those times, you know, times were different, she didn't really know anything about sex or things like that. All these sexual acts that she was performing while possessed, they think was her real self trying to tell her mom and everybody that somebody was harming her. In the book, they mention her father, whose name is Howard. She later goes on when she starts using the Ouija board, she gets her imaginary friend, which we all knew who it was, who it really was, was named Captain Howdy. It's believed that that was her kind of trying to hint at her mom, like, hey, Captain Howdy has more significance than just my imaginary friend. When she was being possessed, they say that the demon was kind of trying to help bring that to light. And that's why there was all these scars in, in her face and her body and stuff. And one of the signs of a child who's been essayed is usually, how do I say it? Um, they'll portray it one way or another through some kind of creative outlet. So maybe they'll draw themselves and the drawing is not a pretty drawing or their toys, you know, they mess them up and draw on them and make them look ugly because these kids don't know how to express their emotions. A lot of the times they end up feeling ugly and they show it through this creative outlet. So her way of trying to tell her mom like, I'm not okay is the, all these scars on her body. That's a vision. She, that's how she sees herself. The way possessed Reagan was. Another one that really blew my mind was, like I said earlier about the demon, Pazuzu. I'm sorry I had to say his name again. Please leave me alone. Maybe we should have given him a code name. P. <laughs> or her. Maybe we should have given her, it a code name. Like I said earlier, P was protected women and children. So in that scene where the director is you know, watching over Reagan, it's, you can assume that maybe he went in there to harm her and the demon came out and threw him out the window to protect Reagan. So I thought that was crazy. I was like, even the demon knows not to fuck with kids. Yeah, seriously. Like, I mean, we all know my stance on that. You don't fuck with kids. I mean, a yeah. demon's got a, a demon's gonna demon. Yeah. But it's still only gonna fuck with kids. But even even a demon can get out of character once in a while. <laughs> So, no, yeah. So that was a big theory um, surrounding the, you know, Reagan. It makes sense. Another thing also, there's a scene where Chris, the mom, is talking to one of the doctors. And he's saying that Reagan is saying, like, don't touch me. And she doesn't want any man to touch her. Every man that approaches her, she reacts very violently to. And that's because men have harmed her. I thought that was very interesting. That was a theory that I can probably agree with. Like, yeah, you know, and also it seems that demons kind of have a pick. Uh, they, they can go for people who might, their faith might be wavering, but also people who have gone through these traumatic 
thing who have experienced trauma there yeah especially reagan she's a little girl she didn't really know what she was doing when she's using the ouija board and she probably sees somebody communicating with her and takes comfort in it and we all know that you have to invite a demon in and that's what happened there she invited him in and he took over her body i thought that was there was some very strong points with that theory so i can agree with that theory i can roll with it i'll roll with that mm-hmm. actually it's funny not funny oh my god i can't believe i'm doing this again <laughs> every time i say that <laughs> funny weird yeah. not funny haha funny weird Ugh, i'm on tiktok too much you know yeah. it's like when same like your depression and like your anxiety and your adhd are all like going full force so then you really can't do anything so then you're just sitting there disassociating and you're just like randomly scrolling and you're just like fuck Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of tiktoks that live rent free in my mind yeah it's funny that that's a theory that you would end your story with because that's how i'm starting mine not a theory that i'm Mm -hmm. starting mine with but the villain that i chose for my movie is a child killer child murderer and originally he was supposed to be a child molester but at the time of like during production there was a huge wave of very highly publicized crimes against children and child molestations going on in california the director didn't want to exploit on that he was like yo that ain't right i'm not trying to make a quick buck off of this trauma see even back then people got a clue yeah it's (laughs) you know you can make jokes of things that's totally fine it's i don't think you always need to be pc but have some nuance you know it's you you don't do this you know so the director didn't want to exploit on that yeah because it's just you don't want to it's such a heavy topic so the villain was changed to a child murderer and actually in the reboot that came out in 2010 they did decide to make him a child molester again and like their original plan and so the villain is freddy krueger and the movie is a nightmare on elm street good movie good movie actually my nails i did halloween nails and i did freddy krueger on one hand and then jason on the other i know i freddy love them jason ah. no, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no i love him so i picked Nightmare on Elm Street just because it's an absolute classic. Quite frankly, it's one of my favorite slasher films. And it's also Wes Craven. And I'm a huge sucker for Wes Craven. So Freddy Krueger is an absolutely horrible villain who honestly got what he deserved because like I've said before, and I'll keep saying it again, you don't fuck with kids. And the movie is absolutely iconic. And when I was thinking about what movie to talk about, a video popped up on my For You page on TikTok about face reading and the person was analyzing Freddy Krueger. Okay, okay. So I'm going to just talk about some interesting facts about the movie. I'm not giving a summary I mean, I could, but... That's okay. You don't have to. Yeah, I'm like, I feel like most people have seen this one. And if yeah. not, you can watch it on HBO Max. It's available there too. Um, after The Exorcist. Yes, after The Exorcist <laughs> or before, you know, either or. You might not want to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Or you'll probably probably watch Nightmare Before Elm Street and then watch The Exorcist because you'll be too scared to sleep because, you know, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Fuck no, like scary yeah but everybody will want to sleep after they hear fuck me fuck me (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay you can't do accents but you can do that (laughs) 
God. <laughs> okay, so so what did what did good old Freddie do? What did he, what's he about? So I'm just gonna talk about the video I saw on TikTok because I didn't know much about face reading and I thought it was really interesting. And so I don't know much about face reading or how accurate it is, but it's super interesting. You know, it's like astrology, tarot, runes, any of that stuff. You tell me one thing and I will be like, okay, I believe it until you prove me, like you prove otherwise. Yeah, seriously. Shit, why not? So basically it's, he has these large notches in his ear, which are linked to severe child abuse. He has really protruding ears. He has big old ears, which indicate that he's rebellious with a protruding personality, which got me really thinking about my nephews and my niece because they have protruding ears. So it'll be interesting to see how their personalities continue to develop. They do. Oh my, (laughs) Lord knows they have huge personalities already. They have huge personalities. They have all the big feelings. If you know my sister and you know her kids, you know that they're a lot. They're very energetic. They're very high energy, very high drive. It's, they're a lot. Yeah. But they're like, they're not bad kids. No, not at all. They're sweet kids. Like they're tremendos. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. (laughs) But every kid is. Yeah. Okay. Not every kid. Most kids. But I've told my sister this. I was like, they are great kids. They are. They are super sweet. Mm -hmm. And even if they get a little aggressive or roughhousing or anything like that, if someone is hurt, they're the first kid to go up and be like, oh, are you okay? Sana, sana. You know, like. Yeah. They're the first kids to do that. You know, it's, they say please, they say thank you. It's, they're good kids. Tremendos, but good kids. They are. They're great. But anyways, back to Freddie. The whites on the top of his eyes are visible, which gives off a lot of fire energy. And they're ready to take violent action towards someone in the outside world, Uh, which is funny because he died in a fire. He has deep set eyes as though they're in a cave, which typically indicates that the person is a loner and lots of spaces in between his teeth meaning that they have a lot of physical strength. The thing with the gaps in the teeth, apparently they have a lot of different meanings in face reading, but this was the meaning that was closest to Freddy Krueger and it worked well for him. And his nose is super like smashed in. I'm thinking like Squidward right now, but like not actually, he doesn't have a Squidward nose. He has a pointy nose, but it like curves down like a hook. Which does give, it, it looks smashed in because of that. So it's kind of like down, but it's like, you know? So it like hooks down, but it's like yeah. squished into his face type of thing. Yeah. I was like, I don't think I've paid attention to his profile. I um, but <laughs> Anyways, his nose is smashed in. So it shows that the person can be a chismoso and can be very treacherous. So my nose is not smashed in, so I'm not a chismosa. Mine isn't either, but I am shit. It's like I hear a commotion outside. All of a sudden, I gotta go sweep the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, uh, you gotta water your flowers in the rain. I know, seriously. Like, oh, that grass looks like it needs some vacuuming. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he has a high lifted upper lip, which depicts sexual boundary issues and sexual abuse, which definitely goes back to him being a child molester. And she goes on to say that. 
She doesn't read into any facial features that are attributed to accidents or birth defects, but she read into his because he's a fictional character. So all of his characteristics and features are very purposeful, such as not having eyebrows. I mean, they were probably singed off in the fire. You know, that's why he doesn't have them. But that shows unpredictability and him having cauliflower ear shows that he's ready to like throw hands and is very prone to physical aggression. He's very, he's ready to tussle. Yeah, which reminds me of wrestlers because they're always the ones with the cauliflower ear. Yeah. Or at least like when we were in high school, it's... Yeah, so beautiful to look at. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's like that one interview with like Justin Bieber and Maria Menounos. He's like, <laughs> yeah. he's like, like oh, that, that laugh. laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that video. Oh, yeah, that was hilarious. Iconic moment. Anyways, uh, just really cauliflower quick. Cauliflower ear. Yeah, cauliflower ear. Um, Yeah, Freddie, he has a fucked up face, basically. And so really quick, just about, about the film. It was released in, like I said, in the 80s. It was in 84, and it was very successful and quickly came to be known as one of the best horror movies of all time. And I mean, come on. Most movies make you afraid of the dark and things that go bump in the night and generally killer uneasy. you can literally run away from. Yeah, unless you're like Michael Myers cuz then you can't run. Like he just he'll walk right up to you and it's like the fuck. But, you know, it's like they'll make you afraid and or like uneasy, maybe even make you have like a nightmare or two if it's a really good movie. But this one, it makes you afraid of falling asleep. Yeah. And dying in your nightmare. Yeah. So you don't feel safe. And it's not ever. like you can stay awake. No, you need sleep. Like even if you have insomnia, you will sleep. And it's just absolutely horrifying because I've had sleep paralysis a few times and it sucks. Also, when they say that you don't like if you die in your dreams, you die in real life. No, nah, I'm calling bullshit on that because I've died in my dreams. I don't know if you have. I don't know if that's weird. I don't know if that means anything, but like I've died in my dreams. Well, I've heard that if you die while you're in the sleep paralysis that i don't know i've never died during sleep paralysis but i've died in my dreams and then everything just kind of fades and then i go into a new dream huh really i don't even remember my dreams i only remember them when i'm pregnant i did have a dream last night it was very sad Everybody was very disapproving of me. Oh. Anyways. Yeah, you need sleep regardless of how fucking weird your dreams are or how they get. It's you need sleep. And so the film was actually inspired by various events that happened in Craven's life. Um, So in the 70s, there was there were a few articles about some Hmong refugees who were plagued by nightmares due to the warfare and genocide in Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam. So they decided not to sleep as to avoid said nightmares. But like I said, you can't avoid sleep. Even if you have insomnia, you'll still end up falling asleep. After they would fall asleep, some unfortunately did die while they were sleeping, and it was speculated that it was during those nightmares. So this happened on three separate occasions that warranted three separate articles. Craven read them and was inspired by it. Like, oh my God, like how are, like, why are these men dying? Like, this is like so horrific. This would make a great horror like story. I think it ended up being some heart condition that they ended up having that. Okay. They found an explanation. Yes. Okay. When the song Dreamweaver came out, 
it really solidified the artistic inspiration for the movie. So people were dying in their dreams. And then there's this one song about, yeah, Dreamweaver. And he's like, oh, my God, someone's killing them in their dreams. And so one of the themes that I thought was really interesting that Craven was really trying to. Oh, shit, that's my baby. Oh, shit, where the fuck is she? Probably at the door. I'm going to go grab her. I'll be back. Too bad we don't have sponsors because we could always add a little commercial in between this gap. Ah, just kidding. Right? But if somebody wants to sponsor us. <laughs> I'll try stuff. I'll give you a good uh, good review if your product is good. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Oh, yeah. But we're re-recording. So we had to stop recording because my kid woke up. I mean, you can hear that. And my husband was still out working. I had a mom. And I was going to go on a dinner date. But then I didn't. Yeah. Life happens. So now it's the next day and we're trying to record this again. Mm-hmm. All right. So jumping back. Um, see, I literally just listened to it. One of the themes that I thought was really interesting that Craven was really trying to drill in was adolescents have a lot to deal with. But on top of that, they're still haunted by the sins of their parents. So if you haven't seen the movie, you know, um, you don't know. Freddy Krueger is targeting the teens that are the children of the parents who killed him. Yeah, it's like his way of taking revenge. And so one thing that my mom always said is, todo se paga en la vida, which basically yeah. means what goes around comes around. Karma's a bitch, whatever saying. Or directly translated, you pay for everything in this life. Yeah, and I think we're seeing a lot of this now, especially with social media and our generation becoming parents. We're trying to unlearn so much generational generational trauma and be better versions of ourselves so that we so that we can be better parents so our kids can be better adults. God, I'm so out of breath. Honestly, I think that also another thing that we all have are obviously witnessing hap- that ha- that's happening a lot right now is um, the cancel culture. Mm-hmm. With some things, I'm just like, come on. But with other things, I'm like, you know what? Todo se paga en esta vida. Like your past will always come back to haunt you. And you made something, you made a dumb decision when you were young. And now the world is bringing it out. Whether you're a famous person, an influencer, TikToker, whatever, or a random ass person, you know. Yeah, and it's like, and if you haven't taken accountability for it, or you're trying to justify things, when it's you gonna can, come back. Yeah, when you can use that opportunity to grow. Which I think like the whole cancel culture is just a little toxic. Yeah. But to like down to its essence, you know, I think people can really grow from it. But you have to be mm-hmm. willing to grow. You have to be willing to learn. Well, it's like anything else. It started off as like a positive thing. But mm-hmm. there's always going to be people who are going to overdo it and run with it. And then it ends up becoming something toxic. But that just shows how much we've grown. I know when I was you know, a teenager, I did and said really stupid things. And I also learned very young from some of my mistakes. And others I learned, you know, as I got older and will continue to learn. It's just about uh, learning from my past and trying to be different. If somebody ever was like, well, you used to be like this, I can prove to them, well, I'm no longer like that. Yeah. And I think that's so important that you have Mm -hmm. to be able to recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. So not us becoming a political podcast. (laughs) (laughs) 
But it's just, I, it's not necessarily just about politics. I feel like yeah. it's just about growth in general. Yeah. It's, and you have to take accountability for your actions. Because at some point, you believed those things you were saying. So for you to be like, hey, I have learned, I have grown. Yes, I did that, but I was totally wrong. And this is how I've changed. But Freddie said, fuck y'all, I'm coming for your kids. Yeah, fuck Freddie. <laughs> he fucked with kids. But like, if you fuck with kids, I'm sorry. It's, you deserve, what the fuck? Oh my God. You stopped recording? No, my kid just rolled off the bed. Oh. Yeah, I was, on, of, I was not expecting for you to say that. For those of you who don't know, like my kid is in a big girl bed. But it's on the ground, right? Yes. Her, so at least the the fall wasn't too bad. Yeah, but dad's here, so I'm going to tell him what happened. Hold on. have a video monitor so i'm looking at the monitor making sure that she's okay and i just saw her kind of get up and shake her head a little bit you know like when you get up in the night middle of the night and you're tossing and turning and she kind of moved around and her head just kind of like went off the bed and then her body just kind of followed went with it (laughs) oh maybe it's time to put pillows around the whole damn bed (laughs) it's not even a thick mattress like it's really not it's not and when she's awake she gets up and off of it totally fine and she's when the middle of the night don't worry if you hear her crying he's with her and he's rocking her right now she probably just needs like some cuddles right now but she's rolled off the bed like gotten off the bed in the middle of the night and has like fallen asleep in different parts of the room so she's fine just today it was just like oh fuck oh my god which reminds me jasmine you met my grandpa yeah do you remember my graduate when i graduated from college uh-huh and we were having lunch by the pool at my apartment and my dad was sitting on one end of the pool chair, pool uh, oh. chair. And my grandpa was sitting on the other end. <laughs> and my dad stood up, and my grandpa like fell, <laughs> and he got so mad at my dad because everyone was just like, "What the fuck happened?" And my grandpa's like, "Was that you, on me? Help me, yeah. <laughs> Don't just stand there. Help me." <laughs> and he only got mad at my dad, even though everyone was looking around. Oh, that's funny. Oh, but I brought up that story of my grandpa because there was this other time where he was staying with us. This happened, I think, when I was in high school. He rolled off the bed and all of us were like, oh, my God, what happened? Yeah. And he's like, pues me caí. And he just like got up, <laughs> got back in bed and fell back asleep. It's like, Grandpa, you're too old to be falling, please. And then there was this time that my dad fell off the bed. My sister and I were just watching um, TV in the living room and we heard this loud like, thud this loud coming from my parents room and we're like what the fuck we just like ran in there we just like opened the door and rushed in there and we see my dad on the floor and he's like trying to get up and we're just like oh my god what happened and he's he's just like and he just gets back in bed and covers himself and like goes back tries to go back to sleep and we're like oh i think we've all been there yeah so now i know where my kid gets it from (laughs) so freddie anyways where was i how freddie goes after the parents kid oh yes 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 all right yeah so going back to the whole generational trauma and trying to unlearn all that stuff and we're trying to be better people so that we can be better parents so that our kids can be better adults i'm not saying that all parents are bad or anything like that no absolutely not 
I think we can agree that most of us do want to be better versions of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I want to be the best version of myself because if I'm mentally better, then I can be a better parent and hopefully raise some good kids because they deserve nothing but the best. Mm -hmm. So maybe if I'm a better parent, my kid won't be subjected to fighting off child murderers in their dreams. (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe they'll be better equipped to do so. Because let's be real, anyone who fucks with kids, I can't blame the parents for what they did. I'm just saying, Freddie had it coming. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think that was one of like my favorite like takeaways from the movie because teens do have a lot to deal with and they do have a lot going on. You know, in the movie, Nancy has, you know, her parents aren't together, they're divorced. Yeah, her parents are divorced and her mother's an alcoholic. The I think her name her name's Tina. Her parents aren't together and then her mom, her boyfriend, you know, maybe not the best per he's not portrayed as the best person. So, you know, these kids do have a lot in their lives and now they're being attacked by a child murderer. So going back to the movie, Freddie instills all this fear in people. And they are just absolutely terrified of him. But he actually only gets seven minutes of screen time during the film. Damn, really? Yep, only seven minutes. The movie is like an hour and a half, two hours long, but we only see him for seven minutes. Wow. The buildup is just so intense. That's true. There are lots of movies where that happens where you realize like, holy shit, they didn't even include this main part of the movie in the movie for that long. It's like Jaws. Mm-hmm. Jaws, it's about two hours long. And you don't see the shark until an hour and 20 minutes in. And the shark's only on screen for about four minutes. Wow. Very similar to that. And it's kind of, I think it really plays into the whole fear of the unknown. Because you don't know when you're going to see him next. And when you do see him, you don't know what he's going to do. Because it's a completely different playing field. It's in the dream world. So I feel like anything's fair game. And just that that's even scarier. And one of the things Craven wanted to do was he wanted to have a killer who was different than all the killers at the time. Like when you think about movies during that time, Leatherface, Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, they're all big guys. Oh, they are, huh? And they're all silent. So he wanted someone, he actually wanted someone who was big like them. So he was going to try to stick to the same type of physical quality. Uh And then Robert Englund walked in for his his audition and it was kind of like oh no i want this and like when you think about it when you think of someone who fucks with kids it's you want someone who's small and scrawny and pathetic who looks sleazy yep who looks like an absolute sleazeball the scum of the earth yeah that is so true i yeah i never thought about it like that Mm -hmm. and he went with that route because that's how Robert Englund kind of portrayed Kruger in his audition. And Craven was like, this is it. Like, this is the guy for me. He is Freddy Krueger. And he is iconic for that now. Wow. Yeah, so total sleazeball. And he's not quiet. He cracks all these wise, like, sarcastic comments and all these, like, wise cracks and jabs, you know? Yeah. That's kind of it. I don't have too much more. I mean, I can talk about a bunch of random movie facts and trivia. Oh, like if you notice like the walk that Freddy has, it's kind of like he's limping and kind of like really creepy. Mm-hmm. Especially like when he's running. He has like 
like his shoulders are kind of like up. Uh-huh. And he's he looks hunched over, but he's not really hunched over. And he walks kind of like Funny. this, you know? Like he's getting somewhere and he's on a mission and he's getting it done. Not yeah. slow, like... Like, Michael walks all slow, you know? Oh, yeah. He just, he's walking. Somehow he still nowhere. catches up to you. <laughs> it's because of his long legs because he's so tall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was actually an accident huh. because the knife glove was so heavy. Oh, just, wow. So it just kind of weighed England down when they were filming. Oh, my. That is so cool. That's yeah. funny. I love that. I love when, like, real life things add to the character yeah it's like unintentional things that all add up like how you said about the face um with the face reading and stuff yeah the face reading like some of the features do fit like how they're portrayed or described and i'm pretty sure in those times they weren't like let's find a professional face reader and make a face that looks like this yeah you know so I like that. Yeah. Another thing that was really cool was at the end scene when Nancy is running away from Freddy and she's limping. It's absolutely like a terrifying scene when he's chasing her because she's actually hurt. When they were filming, she cut her foot open and she actually needed stitches. So she went, got stitches and they're like, okay, stay off your feet for a while. And she's like, okay. She came back and she's like, all right, let's get this scene done. So she was running on a stitched up foot. So commitment, pain and that agony that you see in her face because it fucking hurts. Yeah. The commitment. Yeah, I actually found that found that out through another random article that I read where it was like 27 times you didn't know actors really committed to the part or something like that, you know, on BuzzFeed. Yeah. Yeah. So it was something like that. And I was like, damn, Nancy. But that's that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's about it. I think I want to watch the reboot now just because I watched this one recently obviously but i want to watch the reboot i haven't seen the reboot i need pretty sure it sucks probably yeah actually the reboot i think is like the highest grossing film in the franchise okay but not the best one not by a long shot probably because everybody was excited for it like oh let's see what this is about so it did really well Mm -hmm. oh my god you know what i just thought of right now what so you know how i did a nightmare on elm street and your night nails our Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. You should have done Friday the 13th. Because <laughs> right. then we could have talked about Freddy versus Jason. We totally could have. <laughs> wow. I just thought of that right now. I didn't even think of that. Literally, I was just like, oh my God. This is our third time like trying to sit down and record this episode. Yeah. And that's what- it's been in the works too for our end. Yeah, it's been in the works. It was, I was Pazuzu gonna- haunting us. I know, Fuck, I, I was going to say, me. have you seen... That Leatherface one that came out this year? No. Did you know that they came out with a new one? No. Yeah, they did. I liked it, but it's like, I know it's not going to be for everyone. Okay. So, because it's it, it plays a lot into the whole millennial, hipster type of vibe. Because the in the movie, the main characters are trying to buy the little town that he lives in and gentrify it. Oh, yeah, so you get a lot of the characters like all on their phone and girl and kombucha type of shit. And yeah, like there's no signal out here. Oh my God. And Ooh, yeah. it has a 4.8 on IMDb and only 52% yeah. of Google users liked the movie. Yeah. 
I liked it. I think I liked it because there were some scenes that I thought were pretty strong. Like there's a scene on the bus that was kind of like, whoa. It's pretty much Leatherface versus a bus full of people. You don't see that with him. My money's on Leatherface. Yeah. So you always see him chasing after like one person, you know, or a couple of people, but like a whole bus, it's like, whoa. What's going to happen? Even though you already know. Yeah. It's something that you're kind of excited to look at. The ending though. Uh, it's a, it's, it's an, it's a good ending. Like, it's like, oh shit. But I still wish it didn't end like that. So. All right. For those of you interested, it is called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it is on Netflix. And it did come out yep. earlier this year in February. Yeah. You should check it out. Tell me. Maybe, maybe my, my movie standards, I feel like are kind of low. So are mine. I like. <laughs> almost anything but the movie did have what i think were some pretty strong scenes like holy shit what's about to happen is he gonna catch her is he gonna catch him like it did have some what i thought were some pretty strong scenes yeah. so but like then again yeah don't take our word for it our words for it because we have low standards because yeah. so one thing i do when i watch a movie i will go on i will google the shit out of it i'm like let me learn everything about this movie and then i'm just like oh wow this was such a good movie and i'm like oh it has like a three point something seriously or I'm sometimes like, oh. you watch a movie that you're like this is really good and then later when you really think about it you're like it wasn't really that good yeah like my example that i use that i don't know if other people will agree with me is um king what was it king Kong? Congress's Godzilla. Remember yeah, it came out? It. Yeah, it came out like last year or two years uh -huh. ago. I don't know. Everybody was so hyped about it. And then when I thought about it, I was like, it didn't really... What was the plot? Like, can I recount to you what the point was? Like... Well, for me, that happened with The Village. I think it was an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Mm -hmm. And I watched it and I was like, oh my God, this is so good. Best movie ever. Oh, I think Gary and I were starting, we were dating. And I was like, oh, let's watch this movie. You know, I was like, it's a really good movie. And I don't think he had watched it yet. And he's watched a lot of movies because my father-in-law is a huge movie buff. And so he watched it and I'm over here watching it. And I'm just like, was it always this slow? Yeah. Like, come on. Maybe it's because I knew the plot twist. But like, still, I was yeah. like, damn. So if somebody has seen that new leather, I call it Leatherface. It's not called that, like she said, but. No, the, there was a movie called Leatherface that came in out 2017. in 2017. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's why. No. So if any of you have seen this new Texas Chainsaw that came out this year, let me know if you thought it was you know decent enough to add on to your list or if it was a, a flop all right and then for those of you who want to watch a nightmare on elm street the new one along with me or i guess not new it came out 12 years ago it came out in 2010 the remake the remake it is on hbo max go figure yep. all right but i think that's it for i think that's it for this week i think so too yeah hopefully third time's a charm with recording yeah we'll see hopefully this doesn't happen again anytime soon probably will once every <laughs> five months is cool with me <laughs> or once twice every, a like, year once every six episodes because this is episode six. Oh my god so then episode 18 is gonna be like super cursed uh-oh six six six. Oh my god the omen <laughs> remember when that movie came out it was like a big ass deal, I think, because it, ow, six 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 on it. Yeah, and it came and out it, on June sixth. I'm pretty sure. I think so. Damn. All right. I did like the original one, the 1976 one. That one was really good. But yes, 
Oh, wow. If you want to watch The Omen, the 2006 remake, it is on HBO Max. HBO has a lot of <laughs> scary movies. I was looking through them all, and there's so many I want to watch. So I'm putting them on my list. Yes. I think that's the place where I've seen, like, the most. Yeah. I think what I want to watch next is my Bloody Valentine. Ooh, I remember that one. Yeah. So, Ooh, we'll see. it did come out on June 6th in 2006. See? Which is actually... One of my really good friends, her birthday is on June 6th. And I remember when oh, I didn't know her back in this back in the day. I only met mm-hmm. her like a few years ago when we were working together. And her birthday is June 6th. And she was telling us that people on like for her 2006 birthday, she was. Oh, it's Jen, by the way. Oh, yeah. I'm going to text her and be like, you're fucking evil, bitch. <laughs> yeah. No, but see, I'm brave because I hugged her. I cuddled her when I first met her. Oh, my God, <laughs> you did. That story will be for another day. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's a good story from when my her work friends. Yeah, yeah, my bachelorette party where my work friends met my college friends who met my family friends. Yeah. And there weren't a lot of people. It wasn't a big bachelorette. No, but it was very diverse. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Well, anyways, yeah, anyways, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. If there are any flaws or errors to this, uh, we are so sorry. We had to re-record. We did what we could in the short amount of time, but we promise we will upload way better content from, you know, every other time after this. It was a work in progress. It's like I said, welcome to the shit show. Right. It's all right. But I hope that you all enjoyed this. If you have any comments, stories, suggestions, anything that you want us to talk about, Feel free to leave a comment, send us a message on Instagram, Spooky State of Mind, or you can email us at SpookyStateOfMind at gmail.com. Yeah, and I think that's it. Mm -hmm. I hope you all have a lovely, or are having a lovely week, and we will see you next time. Stay spooky. (laughs) Stay spooky. Bye.